today. Uh, her name is Sarah Myers. She spent uh, almost 30 years as a classroom teacher. She was a teacher leader, an instructional coach. Um, this was all in Washington State. Then in 2021, they came up with a vaccine mandate. And um, well, Sarah decided that uh, she was going to retire early. Uh, obviously, that was not planned, but she didn't want to do what they were telling her to do. So uh, she calls the mandate unconstitutional, which, of course, uh, we now know from the Supreme Court it was. But uh, that was just one piece of the puzzle. She also saw years of critical race theory indoctrination, not just of students, but also of co-workers, of fellow teachers, of her friends. Uh, stuff just really, really gets weird. Uh, Sarah, welcome to the program. Thank you for joining us today. And thank you for, for speaking out about this. Uh, people need to know what's going on here. Uh, let, let's start at the beginning. What, what were the red flags that first caused you to realize something fishy was going on here? Well, um, first, thank you very much for letting me on your platform to share my story. I um, I feel like I have some insights that need to be shared, and there's not a lot of places to share it unless, you know, you're at the grocery store and no one wants to hear that while they're picking out bananas. So uh, um, about 15 years ago, uh, there was a shift in student discipline, and uh and it and it was small. Everything starts small. That's that's how they get their little tentacles in there. So it starts small, and it's like, well, the students are misbehaving because they haven't been taught any better. So before we discipline them, we need to teach them the correct behavior. And then if if they're still misbehaving, then it's because you're doing something to trigger the misbehavior. And so you, the teacher, need to fix yourself because that's why your student is misbehaving. So, um, you know, obviously that didn't go well with the teachers and we're like, what is this crazy stuff? But every day goes on and the years go on and then slowly students' mental health, like we noticed it. You know how you always say, wow, there was something in the water that year. Well, it turned out every year there was something in the water. The kids just were coming in, were uh, angry, suicidal. I, at this Around this time I was teaching fourth grade. I had fourth graders that were um, being um, institutionalized for suicide attempts. Oh my goodness! Are you serious? And fourth grade, grade kids it was who terrible. wanted to kill themselves. I, I had students. Uh, I had a student tell me that he wants to slit my throat and watch what? I a cold, lonely death in a pit. Yeah, a student said that to you. Fourth grader. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my and it goodness. was my fault. He said it to me. And when I asked, you know, I'm a little bit nervous about him coming in. He wanders behind my desk or my seat. I, you know, it was the first time I'd really truly dealt with some mental illness there. His, he was in custody of his grandma who was afraid of him. And this, and we're like trying to get the school district to help, you know, they were like, no, 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 you just need to do this and do that. Parents were pulling their kids out of my class because they didn't want him in class with him, you know, and this was like 15 years ago. It has been increasingly getting worse since then. So, but that's the teacher's fault because they don't know how to discipline students, right? They don't, they're not teaching the correct behaviors. We're triggering kids. We're not whatever. Now it's, you're not using the right pronouns, so you better shape up. So it, it, it just, yeah, we all knew something, something's weird here. That's not right. <laughs> so, wow. So th this uh, stunning decline, I guess, in mental health. Uh, that That's hard to fathom. You know, I, I've got five kids. I, I, we know a lot of kids, their friends. It, the idea that a fourth grader would even think something like that, much less say it, 
is almost inconceivable. Um, where do you suppose they were getting these ideas from? I mean, is this coming from home? Is this coming from what's happening in other classes? Is this from social media? Where is this coming yes, from? That's an excellent question. So, um, you know, at that time, this particular student was in, heavy into anime, cartoons, and um, uh, something else, which escapes me now, but it was some cartooning where every character is from the underworld. I think it was called Undertale. Um, and, uh, and, and he was like obsessed with it. And he would get some other kids, um, you know, into that and sketching the kid sketching the um, cartoons and acting it out at recess and all this stuff. So there was that, but as the years went on, because that was like 15 years ago, as the years went on, absolutely. TikTok, Instagram, Snapchat, you know, and you as a Christian family, or even if you're, you know, just, you just know that's not good for your child. And so you don't allow them on that yourself. You send them into the public schools. They're in a classroom where two thirds of that class is on TikTok, Snapchat, and Instagram, and they're bringing that culture in at recess. So you can not have your child on that, but they're still being inundated by the effects of it from their peers. It's just everywhere. And absolutely. Yeah. That, that I believe a lot of this mental illness and uh, the anxiety that kids are feeling a lot of that is, I believe just demonic assignments that have been put on on generations of these children because it was it was um a stark contrast like within a year or two we all the teachers were like what is happening to these kids it's amazing it's just amazing and horrifying i mean the yeah. fourth grader would be what 10 years old? 9, 10. Mm -hmm. Oh my goodness, that's insane. Uh, all right, l l let's um, switch gears here a little bit. Uh, you volunteered to serve on this equity team. And uh, I don't know exactly what an equity team is, but maybe you can enlighten us. Yeah. So, what did you learn while serving there? What were the trainings about? Well, I learned that the phrase equity team is just a hook and kind of like a bait and switch, basically. I was interested in joining it because uh, the district had recently put me through quite a bit of training to be nationally certified to teach children uh, who were English as their second language. And it was a specialized program. And I trained other teachers and um, and could train all over the state. And so uh, that was a big focus for me at that time. And I thought, oh, equity training, this is going to be good. This will help me, you know, just understand cultural differences and learning styles and different things that just go on with all of that brain studies and whatever. So I thought I'd join. And um, there is a visual that I had um, for you where uh, it's equity versus what equality is. And so this kind of helps you understand what equity training would look like. So it's not equality. We, we know that. No, it's not equality. Equity and equality. Um, equity is or equality is where everybody has the same exact level playing field, regardless of what your needs are. Equality uh, or equity is where um, everybody is given the opportunity, but they but they're given things they need so that the opportunity is available to them. So um, they have the picture of the kids over the, looking over the fence and. And, you know, I mean, um, in, in a broad sense, that's a really cool thing. I mean, like, okay, yeah, that's what teaching's about. Give the child what they need so they can learn and continue to advance. So, but when I got there, that's not what it was. And so 
Um, I found out when I joined that I'm actually in, we were joining in year two of the district's implementation plan. And I have that there laid out as well for your viewers. And in year two, um, it shows that um, they're going to, they, they had a core team in year one and now year two, we're going to build, we're going to bring in teams from every school and we're going to train them and we're going to put this out and we're going to get everybody on board and they have all of their things. And then in year three, they're going to take that to the community, the parents and the students. And so um, I go thinking that this is going to be really cool. They have a book. Yeah, Glenn Singleton. Um, I read the foreword of that book and realized quite quickly that man hates white people and has a problem. He said that uh, the the achievement gap for our African-American students is there because white teachers are afraid of them. And I was like, what? Also, in our training, we learned that if you say you don't really see skin color, you're just looking at the individual, their character and what their needs are. Well, then you're being racist because you're denying them their skin color. Um, I'm, The whole thing was just just smacked of oh this is not going to go well and it didn't it went downhill fast yeah. well when we get back on the other side of the break i want to ask you you know how do they get otherwise sensible teachers to to fall for this stuff this is just a mystery to me so folks stay with us we're gonna be right back after this quick break with more from sarah myers all right parents listen up we've all seen the countless examples of how radical radical leftists have been destroying american schools it's no longer just about the terrible math and reading levels. Now, radical left teachers birthed from liberal universities are forcing gender indoctrination in, in kindergarten. They're teaching lessons on white guilt. Freedom Project Academy has perfected live on online learning over the course of a decade. I get a ton of great feedback about this program, a ton. They're built on Judeo-Christian values, a classical curriculum. What does that mean? It means they're taught, your children are ta taught the way that the founding generations of the country. My own son Noah did Freedom Project Academy for uh, several years uh, when he was younger. The more we tell our friends about these things, the more people will get on board. And I, and I believe that we can be the catalyst to some real change. We must save the West. Our way of life and our culture is under attack. And because of patriots like you and your project, I have optimism for the future. Welcome back to Conversations That Matter. I am your host, Alex Newman, Senior Editor at The New American. Our guest today, um, retired teacher extraordinaire, Sarah Meyer. She spent almost three decades in the classroom, uh, served in some leadership positions, and uh, just became more and more alarmed with what was going on. Uh, before we went to break, she was talking about some of these trainings, the critical race theory, the equity. Um, Sarah, I get the sense that you saw through a lot of this early on, that it, it wasn't quite resonating with you. Uh, what was the sentiment among the other teachers? I mean, did you talk to other teachers? Uh, were, were they buying this stuff? I mean, did they get hoodwinked into believing that they're all racist and that every problem is because of white supremacy and that you need? You know, did they buy this? Um, I don't know, because we weren't allowed to talk about it. Hmm. That yeah. sounds a little bit suspicious right there. <laughs> yeah, you you didn't want to talk about it because if you talked about it, you were labeled um, of having white fragility, which I will talk about here in a moment, too. So yeah. um, it was uh, kind of I think it was a uh, there was a bit of a shock in what had happened. And I think that was part of the part of my opinion that it was 100 percent intentional brainwashing. 
because we all went in thinking we were going to learn how to better give, uh, you know, to, to make better opportunities for students who might be struggling regardless of their race or their economic status, because there's, you know, issues with the classes there too, and, and learning styles and all, all of that studies. And so we were excited to go in and then, we're, and then they start in with um, sharing poems about everything that makes you who I am is the name of the poem. And you're supposed to go through all this trauma in your life and write it out in poem form. And like every third line say, this is who I am. This has made me who I am. And, and it was a somber, Ooh, you gotta, you know, I immediately felt sick to my stomach. I know that God was like, do not do this. Do not. All of my red flags went up and I didn't want to. I'm like, Okay, I get it. We all have trauma in our life, but I'm not going to sit here and write a poem about it. And what does that have to do with getting the right ratio of cultural books in my classroom library, so to speak? So I just sat there. I didn't really do it. And sort of like, I don't really know what's going on here. Um, everyone else was a little hmm han, but they didn't want to be the one who wouldn't participate. And we're all friends. I mean, we're all sitting there excited. The school year is about to start. We're on this new team. And um, it's the thing teachers like to do. Um, plus, you get paid extra for going. So there's the point there, too. Um, and then they have you read the poem with somebody. And everyone's crying. And they come up and share. And it was all boo-hooey and whatever. And I just was still. I mean, they spent an hour doing this. And... Then they had us take a survey and I have a picture of the beginning of that survey for your viewers. So you can kind of see this is a white privilege survey and you're supposed to be ranking um, how you feel according to some of these questions. Like, can you walk through a store without worrying about being followed? And I'm like, hmm, okay. So took the survey, got my number and then they had numbers posted all around the room and you were supposed to go stand under your number. And quite literally, they put us on a wall based on our color, based on our white privilege number. And then they started white shaming. And I was like so it. mad. I was just like, I was shaking. I wanted to leave because I used to teach sixth grade. And in teaching sixth grade, we taught a little bit about um, the Holocaust and teaching kids how Hitler could get an entire country to believe and do what they did. And so I would teach about propaganda and I teach about brainwashing. And I knew what these things were. And so they were trying to go beyond persuading us. They were quite outright brainwashing. And um, part of the brainwashing, and, and this can happen to anybody, really. Our media does it all the time. Uh, the the commercials and things. So our our brain, this is a like a model of our brain. And we have our logic centers here and underneath our logic centers, our emotional center. So when they when they remove when they open up your logic center and they reveal your emotions, which was what the poetry activity was, everyone was crying, everyone was feeling angry or upset or anything. It didn't matter. They were just trying to get us to be emotional. They insert a message and then they cool you down 
and close that message in and they're attaching that message to your emotions. So when they bring that message back up or they bring those emotions up, that message is back there and they repeat, 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 repeat. And I will tell you that when they teach the teachers these things, we, I used to teach teachers, I know. We have the teachers pretend they're the students, we show them how to do the lesson and then they go and repeat with their students. So the following year, we were literally having students write poems about their trauma. Wow. And I refused to do it. And then my, you know, and when I complained, they're like, you're just not a good fit for us anymore. And you're just showing white fragility, which literally it me is just, you know, you're so fragile about your whiteness and how, how you can't handle how racist you are that you just um, get angry. And so basically that's just a way to shut down our voice. And nobody wanted to talk about it because you'd be labeled oh, having white fragility and not being able to handle the fact that you're racist. Oh. It was bad. They literally would say you're white and therefore you're a racist because you come from a white system and you don't know that you're a racist. Everybody will come to that acceptance at some point. That was one of the norms they had for the meetings. Don't be angry if somebody can't accept their, you know, their lot in life, I guess. I don't know. It was crazy. Amazing. So they, they do, they, they would go to the overt white stuff and, and the, um, the covert white supremacy stuff that you do. And we'd have to go and look at different things we do and how overt or covert are we with our racism. And it was horrible. It was absolutely horrible. And, yeah, uh, as you're talking, Sarah, the the parallel that comes to mind is the uh, the struggle sessions that uh, Chairman Mao and the Communist Party of China used to force on people. They'd have to stand up in front of the room and confess uh, their their guilt because if they came from the black class, you know, that meant that they had some land or maybe they owned a business, and so they had to confess before their peers that they were guilty and they were ashamed of their their blackness mm -hmm. and. Um, it, and, you know, it didn't take too long after that before the blood started running in the streets. So this stuff is really, really dangerous. Um, Sarah, in the last few minutes that we have left, um, I, I'm curious on your thoughts. I mean, you you were there. You saw from the inside. You're a Christian. You know, my my view has been for a long time, uh, parents should be getting their kids out of the public schools. But um, you know, what do you say to parents? What do you say to teachers who are stuck in the system, that those who believe this nonsense and also those who uh, who maybe are skeptical? I mean, they got rid of you with the vax mandates. I'm sure uh, there's a lot of people very pleased that you're not going to be causing trouble anymore. But what do you say to parents and to teachers who are faced with this? Um. You know, for teachers, I, I would say um, you really need to look at this is how I was able to just leave. I, I had had an experience where I was unhappy with teaching. They're blaming me for all my students behavior. You know, it's always your fault. Figure it out. It, I was so unhappy. And I it occurred to me in a church one day when the pastor said, hey, um, how do you identify yourself? And so I'm like, well, I identify myself as a teacher, a mom, a wife. And then the Holy Spirit said to me, you're a child of God. Why is that not even on your list? And I thought, oh, my gosh, that is the first thing that I should be saying. I am a child of God. What I do is teaching. And it shifted me back to true north. And I found my source of joy. And so I also found my source of provision. 
He used the school district to provide for me, but the school district was not my provider. So it was very easy to say, I'm done. It's time to leave. I am taking my child out of school. She didn't go to school the last two years I was teaching anyway. And so I'm, we're just, I'm leaving. And it was easy because, you know, you just have to decide where does God want you? Because, uh, you know, you want to stand in the gap and you want to protect those kids, but at what expense and are you compromising? So parents, if you can't pull your kids out of school, use the opportunity to teach them spiritual warfare, really have them pray for their peers, the ones, especially that they don't like, have them pray for the teacher, show them how to identify tactics that are being used on them and teach them how to stand up and how to have Holy Spirit with them in the classroom and have in constant conversation with God in their head, and he'll be there for them. Pray for the teacher. They need the prayer. They are in a battlefield. It's it's horrible out there, toxic. They're not allowed to talk or you're going to get in trouble. Oh, it is so, so sad. And um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, it, I don't know. I, I really feel like if we don't get control of this, it is going to just completely demolish what's left of our country. Um, Sarah, is there any place where people can learn more, can follow you? Are you on social media? Are you planning to release a book on this in any way that people can support you or get in touch? Um, You know what? No, I'm just taking it easy. We sold everything we had in Washington, moved to Tennessee, and I'm just raising chickens and homeschooling my daughter. And I'm in transition time right now and waiting to see what the Lord has for me. Um, writing a book is on my mind, but I will say the entire thing has been difficult. You know, I'm, I'm happier than I've ever been. I feel free. It's like coming out of Egypt. And it's like, I didn't even know I was enslaved in this thing until I came out and I could breathe. And wow, let me tell you as a public teacher gone homeschool mom, I have so much respect for all those homeschool moms out there that were always doing. I thought that must be easy. It's not easy (laughs) teaching your own child. But it is one hundred and a thousand times percent worth it, and um, and really not, you know, it doesn't take eight hours out of the day. I surprise, surprise, how fast we can get through stuff when when it's just one child. So, um, no, I um, I'm thinking about writing a book, but honestly, it just depends on what the Lord would have for me. And um, I am on social media. I'm on Facebook, but you know, I'm, I'm not posting a whole lot unless you want to see pictures of my chickens. So. Awesome. Well, Sarah Myers, we we sure appreciate your courage in speaking out and doing the right thing. Uh, thank you for sounding the alarm. Uh, as you know, there are many within the system still who just don't know what to do about it. And uh, hopefully you can inspire them. And, uh, and I hope they'll take some of your advice, a lot of wisdom there. Uh, thank you again for joining us. Yes, today. We really thank appreciate you very it. much. I appreciate it. All righty, folks. Alex Newman here. This is Conversations That Matter for the New American Magazine. Share this out, folks. There may be a teacher in your life or a a family with children in a government school in your life that needs to hear this. Um, This is nothing to mess around with. And it's not just Washington State either. This is happening all over the country, folks. Uh, Go back and and listen to this series of interviews we've done with teachers. Um, the, The stuff that is happening in there is atrocious. It's incredibly dangerous. Our country, our families, our communities, our churches are all at risk if we allow this to continue. Thanks again for tuning in. Until next time, God bless you all.